This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles tonight. Let's go to Israel's songbook. You know that to be the Psalms. We're going to be looking at several Psalms and some other passages tonight. We're in a series on the biblical protocols for prayer. God, who wants us to come to him, speak to him, fellowship with him, has also explained to us how we need to approach him. And I hope as we've been looking at these different protocols, the praise protocol, uh, some of the, uh, or all of the others that, you're starting to put those into practice uh, and that it's encouraging your prayer time with the Lord. Tonight we're going to look at another one of those prayer pro, uh, protocols. There's a biblical reason why our church services begin with singing. We did that tonight. The reason is found in Psalm 102, 100 verse 2, other passages, where we're exhorted, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with what? Singing. Did you know God wants to hear you sing? Say, oh, pastor, he doesn't want to hear me sing. Well, bear in mind, you didn't give you your voice. He did. You ever thought about that? Now, the person down the pew may not appreciate it, but that doesn't mean God doesn't appreciate it. He made it. Again, look at Psalm 100 and verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. And part of that service is coming into his presence with singing. Gladness and singing in this passage combined to help us understand God wants us to come to him with glad praise. I'm so thankful the children are here with us tonight. You boys and girls, you're learning songs, uh, not so that you have uh, something to do in your playtime. You are learning songs so that you can sing those back to your Father in heaven. Seven times the Psalms also tell us to make a joyful noise. You know that. Very good. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, nobody's left out, serve the Lord with gladness. All right? So, that joyful noise, seven times mentioned in the Psalms. The Lord wants us, and this is literally what that means, to come to him with shouts of joy. Do you know heaven's going to be loud sometimes? Now, we'll have glorified ears that can handle it. I'm not suggesting there's a rock band up there. I don't believe we're going to have any of that. But there's going to be such excitement before the throne of God. It's, there, there are going to be praise shouts. Uh, it's going to be better than any stadium here you've ever been in. Shouts of joy. Now what Christians often lose sight of is the fact 
that we are to enter God's presence with singing for a very simple reason, because he is the audience of our singing. God reminds us of that because he is the audience. We try to emphasize that. We're going to show you from Scripture. But even when we engage in singing here, we're not singing to each other. Now, our psalms and our hymns are more directed to God, but our, and our, but our spiritual songs, those are testimonials that where we give praise to God as we also admonish. And that's biblical as well. But, but whether it's psalms, hymns, spiritual songs... It's all to the Lord, and we're going to see that tonight. He is the audience. Now, does this mean that we sing every, uh, every time that we pray in the context of, of our, our series? Does that mean every time we pray we should sing? I think it's a great habit to get into, okay? Uh, and there are ways that you can do that. Just practically, uh, do you have a hymnal at home? If not, buy one. Uh, get one, or you can go all over the internet, and there are hymns that you can pull up and you can read the text to. Uh, you just type in a few words, your favorite hymn, and it'll be right there, and you can just just take that right to the Lord, sing it to the Lord. So I don't believe that every time we pray, we should sing. However, when we worship in prayer, our worship should include singing to God. Now, we see this both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Both teach us this. You're in the Psalms. Go to Psalm 40 and verse 5. I'm sorry, that should be, that's a 3, isn't it? All right, Psalm 40, verse 3. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Not praise to my fellow Christian, but to our God. Many shall see it. It does affect others in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Colossians 3.16 in the New Testament. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. See, he's the audience. Now, we need to see how important it is to sing in obedience unto the Lord in prayer and worship. So tonight, let's consider the singing protocol. The singing protocol, which benefits God because he is worthy and also benefits man because we are needy. Say, well, I'm just uncomfortable singing to the Lord. Well, if your heart's right, you shouldn't be. And in fact, the scripture teaches that your singing to the Lord has tremendous benefit for you. And we'll look at that in a little bit. Let's begin, though, by noticing that our singing benefits God, who is worthy. Your praise, your singing to God, pleases God. It's pleasant to God. Again, as finite man, I, I struggle with the fact that God would be pleased with anything that I do. But as his child, when I sing to him, do you know that that pleases him? All right? Just like as parents, when our kids are off in another room and they're singing, isn't that, that's just pleasant. That's just pleasing. But God is especially pleased when we're using the voice he gave us to sing praise to 
him. Now, God deserves to hear us sing because he is worthy. And our offerings are of praise, the, the words of our lips offered to God, those are offerings that please him. Practically, the same God who created other parts of his creation to sing, and you could take time to, to think about what, what else has God made that sings back to him. Just like he made them to sing, like the birds, uh, he gave you a voice box and a mouth so that you could do the same. Spiritually, God's people have innumerable reasons to sing praises to him. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. But you know what? You can sing about those as well. David in Psalm 22, 3 referred to God as the Holy One who inhabits the praises of Israel. As they praise the Lord as a nation, their focus, it was all centered on God. Uh, it's actually the Hebrew word that means enthroned. Israel's praises enthroned him. Now why? Well, the scriptures are the perfect record of his perfect care for Israel. Again, reading through the Psalms, and I try to pray a psalm to the Lord every day as part of my worship. But some of those psalms, uh, and just read one, remember the psalm where his mercy endureth forever, phrase, his mercy endureth forever, phrase. And, and in that psalm, I think it's Psalm 136, uh, but in that psalm, it recounts the history of Israel. And what's the history of Israel? The great things God did. In that psalm, Israel would sing back to God, just recounting how God had perfectly cared for his people. Now, God first gave the new song. Again, Psalm 40, verse 3. He first gave that new song to believing Israel. Why? Primarily for his praise, but also secondarily to be a testimony to the heathen. Do you know that as God is the audience of our singing, as we sing to the Lord, God intends for that to also draw unbelievers to the Lord. I'm not going to get into it in a lot of detail tonight, but I think as Christians we have to be careful. That's one of the primary reasons why we don't use the world's music to sing to God. They're not going to be drawn to our Lord if our music's like their music. The Lord said when he saved me, he gave me a new song, not just new words. A new song, and again, the Hebrew there is it's, it's completely new in quality. It's different from the world's music. Now, again, can we support this from Scripture? That it was primarily for his praise, but secondarily to be a blessing or a testimony to the heathen. Yes, Psalm 40, verse 3, many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Psalm 18 and verse 49, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. This is as practical as, 
you singing in the workplace? What are you so happy about? Well, just listen to what I'm singing. Uh, singing praise to the Lord, well, they're not used to that. And by the way, lots of times the world's music is all about numbing their mind or distracting their mind so they don't really have to be alone with themselves. Not the Christian. I want God to search me. I, I want his light to shine in my heart and, 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 and I just want to give my whole heart to him. There's nothing to hide. There's, there's, there's nothing uh, to get in the way I can just sing praises to God. Now, in the New Testament, the new song continued, but with the benefit of all the scriptural teaching for clarity. When I read Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3, he brought me out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, set my feet upon a rock. He's put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. When I think about that, uh, the teaching from the New Testament comes flooding in. What was that horrible pit? That pit, by the way, the Hebrew again there, the, a pit of noise. Oh, so much of the world's music is just noise, mind-numbing noise, okay? Not all of it, a lot of it. But he brought me out of that, and he set my feet upon a rock. He established my going. And, of course, with the New Testament, we know that we're established because of the completed work of Christ. So God inhabits the praises not just of Israel but of his church. He redeemed us and perfectly cares for us. He'll never leave us nor forsaketh. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He has also given us the Holy Spirit to empower our song. Now, this is an emphasis that we need to just pause and look at. Take your Bibles now and go over to Paul's epistles, first to the Ephesians, and then we'll look at what he wrote to the Colossians. But in Ephesians chapter 5, the Scripture instructs us on what the Holy Spirit enables us to do when it comes to the new song and this singing with praise in our hearts to the Lord. Galatians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5 and verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein, and, and again, the excesses, uh, the, the lifestyle that, uh, that's uh, flagrantly destructive, the world does. Everything from alcohol to fentanyl to immorality. and it's, That's that excess that does such damage. Uh, being drunk with wine, being under any other substance, it leads to that chaos. Don't do that, but be being filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And when He is in control, notice verse 19, You'll be speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When he empowers us, when he is in control there, you have a free heart. You want to sing. Or you want to listen to music that honors him and lifts the heart. I, I spoke about electronics last Sunday, but I'm thankful we live in an electronic age. Uh, I was doing some painting at home this week. 
with a headset on, listening to wonderful music that helped me not to think about painting. (laughs) But I tell you, my heart was encouraged. You can be encouraged while you paint. Amen. All right. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Holy Spirit does that. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the vehicle for so much of that thanksgiving is our singing and our music back to the Lord. Now, Paul, under inspiration, the Holy Spirit repeats himself, Colossians chapter 3. Notice again verse 16. These are parallel passages, by the way. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What's that mean? Let the word of God come in and you submit yourself to the word of God. Paul says to the Ephesians, you submit yourself to the spirit of God. He's saying to the Colossians, submit to the word of God. Let it just, as you read it, as you take it in, you submit to whatever it says. And what is, that's yielding to the Holy Spirit. They're one and the same. Holy Spirit who is the author of truth, Right? And what happens again when we are submitted to the word of God? Verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another, how? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, grace enablement. Who gives us that? Spirit of God. Grace in your hearts to the Lord. All right, so the Holy Spirit empowers our song. Now keep in mind that everything in our lives as believers is of the spirit or it's of the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. You don't ever have the Holy Spirit saying, oh, that's a good idea the world has. Let me try that in the church. Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He doesn't need to do that. We have new lives in Christ. Behold, all things are, pa- all things are passing away. And how many things are becoming new? Well, yeah, except, except, and that's the way the church wants to see it today. No, no, all things are becoming new. Now, since our singing is to benefit God who is worthy, to please him, there are some important truths to consider here. All right? First of all, our music in worship must be appropriate to his character. Do you know that music really is not so much about what you like? It's about what he likes. It's about his character and who he is as God. We are so bought into this, well, it's got to make me feel good, I got to like it. No, no, no. When God's in control, I like what he likes. But last time I checked from my Bible, God said, don't give in to what your flesh likes. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Now, that, that does not deny the fact that God made us to enjoy the good things that he gives us richly. But the reality is, God says, don't love the world. There are things there that you're gonna, your flesh is going to love. You've got to not love that. All right, so our music in worship must be appropriate to his character. Psalm 48, verse 10. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. 
That's my God. Believe it or not, Good News has been accused of having music that is too conservative. I just heard it recently. It's just a little, little conservative for me. That's okay. Because once again, I'm concerned about God's opinion of our music. And is it fitting to the character of his name? That's what matters. And so the content, what we sing, needs to be true of our God. But it also needs to be music that elevates our hearts and is noble and worthy of a great king. This means music style does matter. Music style and content matter. Who really gets the glory in the music? That matters. That matters. Secondly, our, our focus and attitude matter when worshiping with music. I don't want to be unkind, but some of the most beautiful sacred music I've ever heard is the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and that great orchestra. Can I just be honest, it doesn't do anything for me. Why? Because if you don't know my God, don't try to sing to my God. Okay, um, and again, you say, Pastor, that, that, well, again, if God's the audience and we have to be in agreement with him as the messengers for that song, I don't get any more excited about that than when Elvis used to sing sacred music. A changed heart, a spirit-controlled life, that is the only worthy vessel to proclaim praise to God. And for believers, our focus, our attitude matters. Making a joyful noise includes loud shouts of praise for the sovereign and victor. Grace-filled hearts sing with enthusiasm as well as reverence. It is a shame when in our kinds of churches that have right doctrine and claim to know Jesus that our music is dead. And by the way, we can sing a great hymn and that thing can drag so, so slow that it's putting people to sleep. That shouldn't be either. And I think it betrays the fact that we're not thinking about what we're singing. Sometimes songs are so fast that you can't think about what you're singing. That's not right either. Remember the last part of Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord, but where? In your heart. God is focused on our hearts, and our hearts need to be focused on God. A dull song service dishonors the Lord. Church music should never be a filler in a service or a platform to display human talent. I've heard it. Well, I like that church. They've got a good band. Well, but how are they exalting God? How does their music exalt Him? When we sing here, it thrills my heart. 
But I stand up here, and I, you, again, you've heard preachers say, it's amazing what you can see out here. You really can. But as we're singing, it's sometimes sobering to watch people sing because they're, I'm not even sure they're present here. Now, I see a body, but I don't know where they're at. And in the song service, they're, they're, they're really not in the song service. I, I'm not sure where they're at. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he... Where, where are you at? No, to God be the glory. I like what Harold Vaughn said, spirit-filled people sing at the top of their lungs from the bottom of their hearts. That's good. You, you can tell. And sometimes somebody is just making a joyful noise. It's, you know, it's loud praise, and they don't care, and they shouldn't care. Okay? So keep in mind, we are talking about the singing protocol. Our song service should be melodic prayer. I want, I want that to sink in here. Melodic prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own. Thou art the potter, I'm the clay. It should be melodic prayer. And again, I want to encourage you to do that in your private prayer time, and I think it will enhance our corporate singing and praying together. Now, not only does our singing benefit God who is worthy, but our singing to God benefits man who is needy. Let's close with this quickly. Our singing benefits man who is needy. God made music with the amazing ability to communicate. Not just music with words, but music. Music communicates. It has the power to lift a demon-plagued soul. Can you think of an example in the Old Testament where music did that? Say, say it. King Saul. All right. He was troubled by an evil spirit. And David would come in and he'd play and it would settle Saul. Do you remember that account from 1 Samuel 16? A Christ-honoring song can elevate a soul weighed down by grief and care. When the word of Christ dwells richly in a spirit-filled heart and it flies on the wings of a fitting, appropriate hymn tune, it can lift a soul back to God. It should not escape us, by the way, and we celebrate the Lord's table Sunday night, that on the darkest of nights, before Jesus and his disciples left the upper room to go to the garden, Matthew tells us, Matthew 26 tells us, that Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the calming effect of that? They weren't just singing. They were singing a hymn, probably one of the Psalms. 
but those words penetrated their hearts and helped prepare them for what was coming. See if you recognize this song. I could not see through the shadows ahead. So I looked at the cross of my Savior instead. I bowed to the will of the Master that day. Then peace came and tears fled away. Sing it with me. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. For when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Praise to the Lord is so important because we are needy. On my own devotional time or in my day when I am anxious in my heart, my thoughts need to turn to the Word of God. Christ honoring music prepares my heart. I hope the music tonight before we came to prayer and then to Bible study, that it prepared your heart. Singing in worship from the heart in a church service prepares us. That's not the primary reason that we do it, but it does have that effect, and that's worthy. And so as we close, often in our praying, we neglect the singing protocol. And I want to encourage you, let's get in the habit of coming into the Lord's presence with singing, with singing. Have you ever thought about the fact that There are some things where the Lord gives us a taste of heaven ahead of time. That's why I don't understand Christians that stay away from church. The sweet fellowship with God's people, that's a taste of heaven ahead of time. Ah, but when God's people come together and worship the Lord in singing, that's a taste of heaven ahead of time. And so let's engage in that from spirit-filled hearts Uh, And God continue to use the singing protocol here. Let's stand. Father, thank you for the truths of your word. And Lord, help us to sing. Or we can listen to others sing as we sing along with them. If uh, we don't feel like we are that strong in our own ability to sing. The Lord's singing is not about how we sound or what others think. It's about the fact you've bid us come and Lord, you're pleased. You're pleased. Uh, Lord, because it brings you praise and you're worthy and because we're needy. And so help us to use singing to encourage our praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. 
May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.